Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom up, America. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So the Celtics took down the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Kind of impressively so. I mean, you know, Celtics are without, what, their two best players? Is that it? Oh, maybe even Jalen Brown, the third best player? And they still won the game? Is that all? Like, Brad Stevens can beat you with not just one arm, but two arms tied behind his back? He just headbutted the Philadelphia 76ers? Is that what happened? I guess that that's what happened. Now, look, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the series is over. It's not. It's one game. Nor that the 76ers can't come back and win this series. They can. But this, to me, reminds me of... Um, it reminds me, in many ways, of the decisions to buy a house, right? Because there's two different types of of houses to own or to buy. I guess maybe even three, but... One is a combination of the two. And this is a little bit of a Southern California thing, a little bit of a New York thing. It's a little bit of a Chicago thing. This is kind of what happens in places. And it's going to, it doesn't already happen in your town. Trust me, it will. It just will. Um, It's the tear them down or fix them up. Do you know the difference between the two? So let me kind of explain what happens in, 
Southern California, for example. It happened in Connecticut, where I used to live as well, where uh, you can either buy a house and fix it up or buy a house and what's called scrape it, which means take a bulldozer and run it, run the house over and then start all over. Now, look, this is I'm not talking about buying a already redone home, you know, or buying a home that is, you know, 10 years old or whatever. I'm talking these are two options for getting the dream house that you want. Is redoing or scraping and rebuilding. And the Philadelphia 76ers, they chose to scrape, right? They chose to get a really crummy house to scrape it. And to build a beautiful, brand new, modern house. As they did. And that modern house has all the amenities that you could possibly want. And then, you know, once you're there, once you're in it, now you can add pieces to make it feel like a home. The Boston Celtics, they chose to buy a house and live in it while they redid it. See, when the Philadelphia 76ers started the <clears throat> process, they tanked. They lost games intentionally in an effort to load up on draft picks. They wanted to get as many young players under club control as possible. And the hit rate is about, what, 60% maybe in that top five of the NBA draft. There was some misses there too. They didn't hit on every draft pick. But what they were able to do was end up getting two young burgeoning stars. And now, now they've tried to add and, and put in the culture. They brought in J.J. Redick, who'd been a part of playoff teams in the past. Granted, it's just for one year. What does he do? He can space the floor and really shoot the basketball. He can be in perpetual uh, motion. Plus, he's a pro's pro. He's always in the gym. He's always working. And not a headache at all. Sure, there's some downside to him that he can't really guard, can't create his own shot, but he doesn't need to considering what's around him. They got the players first, but the hard part of having the players first is then you have to change the culture or morph the culture into that of a playoff team. Because when you're playing, and look, this is Ben Simmons' first year. Um, it's not Joel Embiid's first year. But many of these, many of the guys who were with the 76ers in the past or some that have been added, like there was no culture of winning there. They're simply winning and learning culture as they go and adding pieces from other places. A Marco Bellinelli who's been on playoff teams in the past. Right? Urian Ilyasova who's been on other teams. They're adding pieces to the culture to try and get some hard-playing guys out there. The Boston Celtics did the opposite. The Boston Celtics, when Brad Stevens first took over, if you remember, he had a couple of surprising seasons, especially considering no one thought they were going to keep their personnel at the time. They had yet to start the process of putting in a new kitchen, putting in new bathrooms, redoing the floors, or painting the outside of the house. They started with the culture first. Matter of fact, Brad told me he called a bunch of former NBA coaches when he first got the job. Stug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. And they said, uh, he said, you know, you have to be about something. You got to be about, you got to have one thing that differentiates you 
from other teams in the league when you want to start and build your culture? What is special about our team? What is different about our team? Because it's not going to be that you had the best players. And he told me, he's like, look, uh, I said defense, and they said, yeah, everybody says that. Everybody says that. So at the time, they were playing more back-to-back games than they, they play now. And Brad Stevens said, all right, we're going to be the best team on back-to-backs in the NBA. That was going to be their calling card. That when other teams were tired, other teams would give up, other teams wouldn't show up because they were on a back-to-back, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to look forward to back-and-backs. We're going to have the best record on back-to-backs in the league. And if you look during his first two years of the Boston Celtics, guess who had the best record on back-to-backs in the league? The Celtics. That was the establishment of the culture first. Then the draft picks came. Then the free agents came. They did culture first, talent second. Sixers did talent first, culture second. Now, it doesn't mean that both aren't incredible houses to live in. I feel like watching the 76ers, um, I mean, like, look, we still, Markel Fultz is still not a big part of this team. He is going to be. He's very good. And they'll have the chance. J.J. Reddick's contract expires at the end of this year. They gave him more money because it's only a one-year deal. They could bring him back. They could add another star. There's some different things they could do with their roster. They're not done yet, but there's a good chance that the Philadelphia 76ers are going to live deep in the NBA Eastern Conference playoffs uh, for the next five to ten years. And the same can be said for the Celtics as they're playing without Jalen Brown and, of course, without Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. There is no one perfect way. But I do feel like at this particular time, having established the culture first and then the talent second is is a more likely way to win in the playoffs in the short term because you got you got to learn to win, how to win important games you got to learn how to special attention to detail uh, i think a, a huge portion of it is the culture was established by the Celtics whereas the 76ers it's hard to establish culture when everyone knows you're trying to lose games and look, in, the, in the, the Celtics' defense, so many of their draft picks were not based upon their own success. They didn't have to tank games so they could go this route. But, um, and look, I, I don't think anybody thought Terry Rozier would play this well in the stead of Kyrie Irving. Did you? Uh, but there's clearly some talent there. There's clearly a great eye for talent there, uh, not just with Brad Stevens, but with Danny and Austin Ainge and their their crew. And I think they're playing a little bit above their level. And I would also tell you that, that the 76ers, they don't yet know how to win important games. They don't. And you can tell me, well, hey, we, they just beat the, the Miami Heat. Miami Heat aren't any good. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Derek Gordon joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Erica, how are you? Oh, everything's good. How are you going? I'm, I'm really, really well. Hey, I wanted to ask you quick. This is, and, and I'm sure you weren't prepared for this. So I'll give you a second because I remember when you committed uh, to playing in college. I remember how big a thing it was. Did you, did you see, uh, do you see what happened with Romeo Langford committing to Indiana yesterday? How it was kind of a circus and a show. You remember back when you originally committed? Because you were, you were going to Illinois, and then you changed your mind and went to Indiana, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's, yeah, my situation was a little different. But, yeah, I've been here with the dudes from Romeo, and uh, we're definitely excited to see them uh, go there. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. It seems like a change in Indiana basketball, trying to get it back to getting those in-state guys. Uh, you know, that that's that's the big thing, right? If IU can build a fence and keep everybody in-state at home, you got a chance to beat anybody, isn't it? Oh, no question. They'll be, you know, a championship caliber team. Uh, they just get to the talent in state just to go to IU. And, uh, you know, you always see so many kids from Indiana leave, and they are very successful elsewhere. So, uh, for sure, they got to keep the guys in state. When when you guys acquired Chris Paul, what did you what did you what did you honestly think when you guys moved to go get Chris Paul? Well, really, it was really based off our offense. When Chris Paul came, I, I knew it, it was going to work because he's a playmaker. You know, it's not like you're just bringing in a guy who's just, who's just another scorer. He's he's a playmaker. He's, he's uh you know he's he's naturally a pass first point guard, and he comes here and uh, plays a little bit more, you know, the shooting guard, but he, it, it evolves his game because now he's a, more than just a passer. Yeah, but he's also a guy that can dominate the ball, right? Mike D'Antoni, you're the ball mover, a ball stopper, and, you know, everything you guys have done in the past has been off of James Harden. Was there any thought in your mind like, man, I don't know if this is going to work, two guys that like the ball in their hands in our offense? No, not necessarily because uh, – Antonio system is you have to you have to make uh, plays a little quicker than normal because we have, we play to have the floor floor so space so if you just don't make if you don't make the quick opportunity happen then uh, then uh, all you're gonna do is just hurt yourself and hurt the team so it, it, I think it's naturally fitted for for them to really make good playmaking skills really quickly. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about your team's defense. Obviously, numbers are 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 pretty good. Um, how has this team evolved defensively from when you first got there to now the unit that we've seen so far in the playoffs? Uh, I like our defense. I think our defense has been really feeling our offense. I really feel like we haven't really hit all cylinders on offense uh, throughout this playoff like we did during the season. And uh, But, uh, you know, we switch a lot. Everybody sees that, and uh, we take away a lot of things that uh, other teams do. And... Uh, I really have been like I really like how defense uh, has been this whole this whole playoff. You mentioned your t- your offense hasn't gotten it going. One big reason why is you you weren't hitting shots. You're not, I'm like, look, you shoot you know 43 percent in the regular season, only 31 percent so far in the playoffs. You couldn't make it. Couldn't make a bucket. What's is there something you're going to change? Something you're going to do? I mean, what what's going on with your jump shot? Well, it's not really what's going on with my jump shot. Is that just, uh, teams are just trying to take away a lot? You know. Uh, um, the only way I, I, I'll be able to get that chance to really get the flow is you know, have the ball in my hands, willing to be able to create a little bit more. Because uh, when when I'm in the game, these guys are just not leaving me from three points, so they're just more like denying me and into uh, you know. Uh, so I just got to figure out ways. But as long as we're winning, that that's the main thing. Because uh, you can't let a lot of stuff get to you. You you, you mentioned that they're hugging up on three point shooters, right? Making you guys try and take tough twos, kind of making James Harden, you know, try and you know beat him by himself. It's a little bit of what the Pacers have tried to do to LeBron, right? Which is, you know, take away those threes, take away all the what you do best, and make one guy carry you so that he gets tired in the fourth quarter. Is that a little bit of the game plan? Is there any similarity there between how they're playing LeBron and how people are trying to guard Harden? Well, every team is different, but in this series, that's what it seems like. That's what. 
Utah's doing. You know, they're not letting, they're trying to not force, uh, letting us play a, a lot of, you know, take a lot of threes. Everything they want is inside to compare. So each series, you know, you know, each series is going to be different for for everybody. But as long as we, you know, keep continue to win and, and win at a good, you know, we win at a good, uh, you know, have a good lead on teams then. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that chance anyway. Yeah, obviously you guys dominated one ten ninety six. They didn't have Rubio. They they didn't feel like they were really competitive in that game. You mentioned Gobert. Um, is it? I, I think most people th- talk about how good he is defending at the rim, but I would say it's also that for a guy that big and that long, it's that he can actually cover some out in the perimeter. What makes him such an effective defender? It's hard. It's hard for us, Eric, to see it when we're watching on TV. Other than him blocking shots at the rim. You're trying to go at him. He gets a switch on you. What makes Rudy Gobert such such a great defender? Uh, he's tough when you go into the basket. He's always alternating shots, and uh, he also blocks shots too. But uh, what we want to we want to get him out in that per, out on the perimeter so we could you know you know get a better get a better shot at him as far as you know maybe take a three, maybe drive to the basket where someone else can help him as we're driving to the basket. So we always want to create a mismatch. Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. How much do you pay attention to what the Warriors are doing? Uh, not as much, but, you know, the Warriors, they play the same way all the time. So, uh, you know, they, I don't really see them doing any, anything different. I just mean, do you do you watch to, that Steph's coming back tonight? Do you watch how they're playing? Do you watch those games? Or are you too locked in on what you're doing? Oh no, I'm a fan of the game, so I'm I'm going to watch other teams, and uh, but I'm, for sure I'm focusing on what what we're doing. That's no question. No, I'm I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're going home and yeah, like yeah. I'm not paying any attention. To this, how much I was, how much do game plans vary from game one to get like because Utah's got to make some sort of adjustment, right? If their plan was to make Harden beat them, well, that plan didn't work. He had forty-one, eight, and seven, and he did so pretty efficiently, seven of twelve from three-point range. How how much do game plans vary from game to game? Uh, in the playoffs, yeah, based on what, what they what we see them do in the first quarter, you know, it's, it's either you know our point guards or our playmakers are, are either going to score a lot of points and create a lot of assists, or uh, or um, or we're going to sh- get a lot of threes up where they're going to be helping a lot. So it's uh, but every game that we have played them so far against uh, against Utah, they've always try to take away our three so you know they, uh, they pretty I'm pretty sure they might stick to what they're doing yeah so do you take a step back even further to space it out even you know even more so like if they're gonna hug up on you don't you just continue to to space and almost get higher out in the floor and it becomes even more open inside the lane well sometimes well some yeah we're gonna keep the floor floor space that's no question but uh you know it doesn't even if I take a, a step back they're they're still gonna stay with stick with me so they're just creating one-on-one situations with Gobert at the rim where our, where our guards are going downhill. Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Isn't it fascinating how much basketball has changed since, like, you were coming up, right? Remember, like, you're coming out of high school in Indianapolis. And right. even back then, people were like, man, you got to go on one-on-one mid-range game, mid-range game, right? you got to move without the basketball. Yeah, you guys do move without the basketball, but a lot of it is just pace and space, you know, find your spots. You know, re- uh, relocate based upon penetration, and everything is you're at the at the rim. Like it, it's kind of crazy that when you were a kid, I'm sure people were like don't get outside that three point line, get in there and show a mid range pull up, and now that's considered the worst shot in basketball. Yeah, for sure, because everybody's getting taller and longer, so that two point shot is uh, it's it's easier. It's an easier contested shot now. It seems like so. Uh, the, the best way to go is. Uh, 
you know, be able to knock down threes and be able to take it to the basket. And, and as you can see, everybody's going to have to have the complete package uh, here here soon. Where I mean, one through five, you're going to you're going to see centers that are tall and lanky and that are that'll bring the ball maybe down the floor or, you know, guys like Jonas or Durant, you're going to just see a whole bunch more guys that size handling the ball and even guarding guards sometimes. So it's, you got to have the complete package now. Who's a tougher cover LeBron or Kevin Durant for you personally? <laughs> Both of them are different, but, um, how so? Because Durant, because Durant is tall and he can shoot too, so I, it's it's tough. And LeBron's stronger; he's going to use his power, and, and and he has size on a lot of people too. So I don't know; it's tough. But if you if I had it, Durant is very tough. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got a greater kind of arsenal of of scoring scoring options, whereas LeBron LeBron can score, but also he, a little bit more of a pa- more of a passer, right? I mean. And and LeBron, yeah, yeah, LeBron will no LeBron will also settle sometimes. He'll just get tired and settle for a jump shot, which you kind of feel like you won. Even when it goes in, you feel like you kind of won, as opposed to when Durant shoots, you feel like you you didn't win. And sometimes you could be there with Durant. And he just jumps up and shoots over you because he's so tall. Exactly. Now that's he's almost he's like seven feet tall, and he just shoots over you at will. So it's it's tough. Eric Gordon joining us. Do you guys want to you want to be considered the favorite or the underdog in the series against the Warriors? Well, um, I don't see really see how we can be the favorites because you know the Warriors they've been to the finals three or four times in a row, and uh, but uh, I would like to you know have our chance at them next series if, we, if it's you know if, if we could just continue to, to play well, I would love it. And uh, you know, to me, there's just no way that you can have us as uh, the favorites, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Utah, the toughest place to play in the league. It's one of them. That's I definitely would say that's always been one of the toughest places. All right, watch out for guys with their cell phones trying to capture all the different images and shove them in your face. We <laughs> we, we know Russ is not a fan, not a fan at all of that. Uh, EJ, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Best of luck against the Jazz. Uh, thanks, appreciate it. All right, Eric Gordon joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I am built to be a contrarian. I'm built to find the counter argument. I think that personally, I think that's a sign of intelligence, right? Picking holes in an argument and trying to find the other side to it. But I, I, I don't think that's necessarily how you live your life, right? I think sometimes the most obvious decision is in fact, the decision you make. I have three different, three different people trying to convince me that the Browns had other interest that the Browns wanted Baker Mayfield because they thought he was the best quarterback out there. And I got I got three different three different quotes, and they're all telling me one thing, and I take it to mean the complete opposite. All right. First, this is Jack Mills. Jack Mills is the agent for Baker Mayfield. On what he heard, what he says he heard. From other teams for the draft. We had another team, which are going to surprise you. Another team had said, you may get a big surprise on draft day at number two mm. if he's available. It was the Patriots. They had 23 and they had 31 and they had two seconds 
we thought, boy, that's going to be a heck of a move to get up that high from where they are. And, of course, he wasn't available, so we never knew if that was a reality or not. We don't know if it was reality or not, but that's what we said, and so I just went with it on radio that it was going to happen, even though we don't know how high he thought he would climb up. There are a lot of people who thought the Patriots were going to make a move, and you know what they did? Nothing. You know why? Because you can't believe anything any of these guys say before the draft. Anything. Um, did you guys see what Alonzo Highsmith said about Baker Mayfield? He's the VP of player personnel. And he said, here's the God's here. Here's the honest to God's truth from the start of the college football season until the end of the season. I had Donald number one, Baker, number two, Josh Rosen, three, Lamar, four, Josh Allen, five on our way through everything. You can't tell. You couldn't tell me Donald wasn't the best. I did all my evaluations of the season. Then comes the part where I met them off the field. Watch their workouts. You watch everything, and Baker blew me away. Highly, highly intelligent, highly competitive. And he's got this one trait that the good ones have. I call it efficacy. Efficacy. Uh, it includes the power to affect people. I thought with all the quarterbacks I watched, he stood out far and above the other guys. When he walked in the room, you knew he was there. Baker Mayfield lost two receivers, and he was the same quarterback. Josh Allen, big arm, could throw the ball from here to the moon. Uh, when they have to make excuses, why they're not completing passes, that's a problem. So you got Jack Mills telling us, hey, man, hey, Patriots are going to go get him. Yeah, we also heard the Patriots were going to go and get Lamar Jackson. They didn't do that either. We have Lonzo Heisman saying, look, I graded him out and I had Donald one. So why'd you take? Well, you know, he, he affected people more. He was just a dude. All right. Got character. Okay. By the way, I mean, USC's season, USC was going to fire their coach. Clay Hill was going to be fired last season. Done. 0-3 on the year. What changed? That's that's last season. Not, not, not this past season, the previous season. But he was done. Put Sam Donald in. Best team in the West Coast. Win the Rose Bowl. That was the change. It literally changed nothing. Nothing. And yes, technically, Baker Mayfield did lose his running backs and wide receivers, but he had Mark Andrews back. And they still had better talent than the competition. The same can't be said for, but whatever. Like, we can make all excuses. The the crazy thing is, he watched the tape. He's like, Donald. Then he met him. He's like, oh, man, Mayfield. Then you got Dorsey. John Dorsey, who's their general manager. And he said, hey, there's four other teams interested in trading up for Baker Mayfield. Four others. Four others. When you keep telling me all these people are interested, I, I'm sorry. I see the opposite. I see it as you're trying to convince me of something that maybe even you don't believe. Right? It's not, if you have to explain the joke, it ain't funny. No, see, let me tell you why it's funny. No, no, I just didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny. All right? Baker Mayfield's the best. Like, I don't really think so. Let me tell you why he's the best. Four other teams want to trade up. The Patriots wanted him, huh? And we met him. He affects people more. Feels like the Browns just, you know, bought on a bluff, didn't they? You know? Uh, 
He makes that look when he has nothing and he's bluffing me. He makes this other look when he's got king ace high. Sorry, you keep trying to convince me. Now listen, she's got a great personality. When I say personality, she's really funny. Well, no, yes, yes, she's good looking. She's yes, she's good looking, but but she's her personality, but her like, yeah. You keep trying to tell me one thing, and I believe it's probably the opposite. I think, look, the Cleveland Browns, all they need to say is, we think he's the best. We think he's the best fit for us, where we are, what we want to do. We think he's the best. You don't have to tell us other people. You don't have to tell us about, we met him, and you got to meet him. Telling me I have to meet Baker Mayfield to get it is telling me, when I ask her how she look, and you say she's got a great personality, right? So she doesn't look that good. That's what you're telling me. Get to, he's got a great personality. Get to Dan Byer in a second. I'm kidding, Dan. Dan's actually a sultry voice. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's talk some NBA hoop. Chris Broussard joins us. He's an NBA insider for Fox Sports 1. You can hear him on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. He has a great show, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time with Rob Parker. Chris, I, here's what I said about the Celtics and the 76ers, and, and you can feel free, as you always are free, to disagree with me if, you, if you'd like. Um, they both have reloaded, rebuilt, remade themselves, but in different ways. Much like one has, um, has redone a house, the other one scraped it and started all over. And what happens when you rebuild a house is you still have the character of the house. And I bring that up because what the Celtics did was they tried to establish a winning culture first and then slowly acquired players through the draft and then eventually via free agency and trades uh, to have, you know, NBA all-star level talent. Whereas yep. the 76ers, they were, they were trying to lose games. So you couldn't really establish any sort of culture and they got the players first and now are trying to establish uh, culture on the fly. And that's why this, the, though the Celtics don't currently have, their top three players, they're still probably a better team because they they have a better culture that's ingrained in them over several years. Fair? Wow. Uh, You said a lot, but, yeah, I I think a lot of it makes sense. That's why, you know, when you talk to executives around the league about tanking, what the word that you hear is just what you use, culture. And a lot of teams just don't want to bring that, quote-unquote, culture into their building. They don't want a losing culture where we everybody knows we're trying to lose. And to be honest, players don't even want to, like, when Philly was doing that, free agents didn't want to go there. You know, Jaleel Okafor, now granted, he didn't turn out to be a very good player, but he didn't want to be drafted by the Sixers because of that losing culture. So what you say is definitely correct on, on many levels. Uh, I still think Philadelphia can get out of it. Um, I think the players that they have, now granted, Embiid was there for it. Um, Simmons really wasn't. Uh, Dario Sarge was there for some of it, but he was, you know, both of those guys, Embiid and Sarge, uh, or Embiid was hurt. Um, you know, Bellinelli, Ilyasova, Reddick, they weren't there for it. Uh, Brett Brown was, but I think he's proven to be a good, solid coach. I, I don't think this is going to hold them back. I just think Boston has – Brad Stevens is phenomenal. And, look, I think they'd be certainly better with Kyrie Irving, no question. 
But I'm, I'm not sure how much better. Like, I think it's almost that, like that guy can just put in whoever he has and they're incredibly productive. I'm picking Philadelphia to win the series, but I would not be shocked or surprised in the least bit if Boston wins it because they just play so hard, they execute well, they play smart, and they do have some talented athletes. They don't really have stars um, yet, but they, they have enough talent to make it work in a weak Eastern Conference. Uh, okay, help me out here. Uh, I actually believe LeBron James when he said he was tired. Did you? Uh, I think he was speaking in the moment. Like, he was tired that moment. He was tired. You know, he wanted to go home and get some rest. I don't believe he was saying uh, that he's, you know, he's really not going to be at his best in this Raptors series. Look, I think LeBron sometimes does like to ratchet up the degree of difficulty, you know, and make it seem like he's going over an even bigger obstacle than he is. So I I expect him to be fine. I don't really think fatigue is going to really be a factor in this series. That's interesting because I I do. um, Look, I think that there's no good matchup that the Raptors have to guard him. They just don't. And ultimately that becomes their undoing. But if you look at the Pacers, like the the game plan is pretty, pretty simple. They want to single cover him, make LeBron score as much as he could by himself, make him really work to get his own shot and not let him facilitate, hoping that in the fourth quarter he'd run out of gas. And many times that worked. They just didn't have enough offense on their end. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The Pacers couldn't produce a lot of offense. Um, They did do a good job. You know, Steven Jackson's up here this week at Fox, and we've been on some shows together. And he he did not like the Pacers' strategy. He thought that they should have doubled LeBron, got the ball out of his hands, and made everybody else beat you. And obviously those guys didn't produce. But I, I, I think that's easier said than done. I mean, LeBron's always gotten his throughout his 15-year career. So he's going to put 30-something on you regardless of how you defend him. Um, but to your point, even if you don't like, didn't like the defensive strategy, that wasn't the problem for the Pacers. The problem was that they couldn't score. Now, Toronto is a team that can score. And they are a better defensive team than Indiana. So, on paper, there are a lot of reasons to like the Raptors. But I just don't think that their stars are close enough to LeBron James where they're going to be able to beat him. I think, I think the Cavs are going to win it in six. I think they will have a little uh, less trouble with the Raptors than they had with the Pacers. Chris Broussard joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That's interesting. I, I, I think they're, it's a bad matchup for the Raptors. I just think ultimately LeBron gets worn down. Um, so you 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 picking? No, are you picking the Raptors? No, I I think I think there's a chance he loses, maybe to the Sixers in the next series. Even though I I think if 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 uh, if all things were equal, they would beat the Sixers. You know, they'd beat the Sixers four times in seven. I just think ultimately he, even though the Sixers aren't as good, um, and they don't have the experience, you think he'll be worn down. Yeah, by I like yeah, he went. He went seven games. Then you're gonna go. You're gonna go six in this thing. Like I, the Raptors are gonna beat him once or twice. Yeah. And you know, I I feel like the Sixers have beat him a couple of times. And look, if you watch Game Seven, fourth quarter, he didn't have much juice in the tank. No, I look. You make a good point, and there are gonna be times where he has to defend the best player. You know, um, and that's gonna wear him down. 
it not, I, I don't think it'll bite them this series, but I do agree with you that over the course of these playoffs, it could become a factor. Like maybe it happens in the conference finals. Um, you know, when he had to carry this load when his first stint in Cleveland, you know, he was a lot younger and he had a lot more energy. And for him to do this at this stage in his, his career, even though he plays smarter and probably can salvage some energy a lot better than he used to, yeah, I could see it taking a toll. That's why it is imperative that first Kevin Love, I mean, he's got to step up and play much better. Uh, and then I know their hope is just that some of these young kids, and none of them have done it, Clarkson, Hood, they have looked far worse in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. And they're going to they're gonna have to have those guys step up and play better if they want to get to the, comp, to the uh, finals. It's interesting because when that trade was made, the first couple games, everybody said how much better they are and was like, look – they, these guys haven't played in real basketball games. It's completely differently, completely different, and some of that's been exposed, that they haven't played in real important basketball games, and everything they do gets micromanaged. The minutes get tighter, and people have you scouted better. The game is more physical, and yeah. and they've been exposed as being immature in the in the landscape of playoff basketball. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they, they were fine in the regular season, even though they had their, their poor moments as a team with the new guys. But let's look at it. Larry Nance Jr., who he has, he's been okay for what he does. Clarkson, they're coming off the bench for a bad Western Conference team. You know, Rodney Hood, the reason Utah let him go because he's so up and down. And, you know, those were the guys that were going to supposed to ride in with the Calvary and save the Cavs. Um, I thought theoretically it could work because they had a lot more energy and youth and athleticism. So they were so they should have been able to be better defenders, but to your point, it's telling. I mean, look at what T. Lou went with in Game Seven. He went with the guys that had been there, even though Jr. is. I mean, he's the biggest seesaw in the league in terms of consistency. Uh, but that's who Ty Lou went with, and it got it done for him. Uh, you know, I expected to work this series as well, but the next one, to your point, is where it could haunt him. But look, I think Boston. It could be Boston that they're facing in the conference finals. Uh, if, if they play Boston conference, I, I couldn't. I mean, that would be an all-time upset if Boston beats them with that roster. Yeah, and that's a that's a great like they to me they just don't have enough talent without Kyrie um, and maybe even without Hayward too to beat LeBron because uh, he's not only talented but smart. Uh, okay. Simmons and Embiid are smart, but maybe not smart enough at this stage of their career. A couple of quick ones. Steph is going to play tonight. They say no minutes restriction. Are they going to start him? I, I think they'll start him. You know, you bring back a player like that, you usually start him. Um, I think it's good. If, if the doctors have said that, look, he's as ready in game two as he's going to be for game three, I'd play him because you know this. Look, I know he's going to fit in swimmingly. Uh, seamlessly, it's not going to really be a problem, but there still is an adjustment period. I don't care who the player is and what the system is. And if I'm Golden State, I don't want to be adjusted against Houston. I want to get through those adjustments, that, that assimilation again for the next three or four games, whatever it takes to get rid of New Orleans, and then we're rolling on all cylinders 
when we face Houston in the conference finals. Yep, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, any have you heard anything early on what the what the Thunder are going to try and do? Well, I mean, I think George is out of there. I think if I'm the Thunder, I think Carmelo Anthony's comments were a blessing in disguise. And I would have met with him last night and been like, look, we want you to come off the bench. And just hope that he says, well, I'm going to opt out. Because, I mean, Melo, first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion. But at this stage of his career, he's got to realize what he is and what he is not. And uh, there is no way he's getting that type of money on the market, open market. Um, and there's nowhere he's going to go to play the old role that he used to play as the old mellow. So where is he going? So I don't think he's going to opt out. I think he put his foot in his mouth and he's going to look bad because he's going to opt into that deal. Now he'll try to get a buyout, maybe get that. But, you know, look, OKC is in a different place now. And they're not going to win a championship. They're not going to compete for a championship for the foreseeable future. They've got one superb player who is a, you know, a great spectacular show, and they're going to sell out the arenas because people are going to want to see him. They feel he's been loyal to that city, and they can hope to make the playoffs every year. But that's really where they're at now. Like, the building around him, I think there's two ways to build around Westbrook. One, you just get a a super-duper star like Kevin Durant, and maybe you've got enough talent to win a championship. They came close even though they didn't do it. Or you build around him like Allen Iverson, like they did in Philly, um, with the grinders, 3 and D guys for today's game. But you need a superior coach to do that. Uh, And I don't know that that could win in today's NBA anyway, but I don't think Billy Donovan is the coach for that. And, you know, that's a lot of rebuilding. So I think that's – I think they'll go that latter route – when when George leaves and if Melo is bought out or whatever, uh, they'll put grinders and three and D guys around him. But unless they get rid of Donovan, I don't think Donovan will be able to maximize that type of thing. Yeah, the the only only other thing to do is to be to double down on Donovan and let him coach coach because I feel like he's not coaching Westbrook, uh, whether it's out of fear or whatever. But like you know, so you feel like if the fr- see, I agree with you. He's not now. Scotty Brooks didn't either. Um, I don't know who will. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's that the front office or somebody is saying Donovan can't like you don't touch Westbrook. I just don't know that he has the. I don't want to question his heart, but I just don't think he's gonna say anything to Westbrook. Uh, there's a Kawhi Leonard story out there. ESPN has it. Um, I I read into it, and it doesn't feel like the Spurs have any problem with Kawhi. It's more the people around Kawhi. What's the likelihood he returns to San Antonio? If they offer their their best shot is offering him that supermax right away, because I'm told he, it's not like he's dying to get out of San Antonio. Kawhi is baffled and bothered by the fact that the Spurs have you know he they're like we've never seen them go at a player like this. You know the comments about his group, uh, Tony Parker. Um, you know, if some people think Manu, um, you know, the anonymous sources and stories talking about tension because Kawhi's camp is like, wait a minute, we've been fully uh, transparent with the Spurs. They knew we were getting a second opinion. They were on board with it. They knew Ka- Kawhi was going to be in New York working it out. 
They were on board with it. They sent trainers to New York to work out with them. They were on board with that. When we're with them, they're fine. But when we, you know, then we see these stories or we see these comments and we're saying, what's going on? There's a bit of like disingenuousness there that Kawhi can't feel like they, they see. And there will have to be some smoothing over. Uh, it can be done, but it better be done with the Supermax offer. If it's not done with a Supermax offer, then I think it's going to be tough for uh, San Antonio to make it work. But I believe, and from just from talking to people close to this situation, that Kawhi will give them a chance um, if they come with the right money and, you know, if, if they say the right things. But he's a bit bothered by the way things have happened because he feels like they've taken shots at him when he's hurt, and he never saw them do that with any other players. Great stuff from Chris Broussard. Check him out this Sunday, 6 to 9 Eastern time with Rob Parker. And, of course, check out all his work on Fox Sports 1. CB, thanks for joining us, man. All right, Doug. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.